Bernadette Winters-Bell here, the host of the podcast from Heartache to Healing and Hope. And in this season three, three, already, wow, it is From Heartache to the Art of Healing. And this is a little bit different, perhaps, of what you might think of as different arts of healing. This is the art of teaching, of working with students in the community and parents. And it's a skill and an art. And here we are getting ready to launch it as school starts and has started in many parts of the country already. And how wonderful. And after we did this particular podcast, we were talking about different ways you could convey to others kindness, joyfulness. And when my producer Beatrice was leaving the building with all the equipment, every single person that had been in this huge auditorium that saw her smiled and waved. They showed her kindness for being there. I just love that for a moment we touched their hearts and hopefully it got passed on. Oh, I hope you really enjoy this. I think our teachers and the staff the administration and our students, the parents and the community, all need our support and will put their arms around them. And may everyone have a good school year. Bernadette Winters Bell, the host of From Heartache to Healing and Hope. So <clears throat> at the um, start of the pandemic, besides I have a, um, a practice in Oneonta on life, loss and grief, which is like everything, um, after about 30 years in the hospice field. And I was writing a book with someone uh, about things that people have taught me. And one day she said, you got to get this out there now. You know, we can't wait till you finish the book, which I don't know how to write, and get it published and all of that. And I thought, oh, okay, hmm, what do I know how to do? Oh, talk, I know how to talk. <laughs> this is exactly how I talk to myself. And I said, I I'll have a podcast. I'd never even listened to a podcast, <laughs> but I thought a modern radio show, how hard could this be? Also, I know really good people. So I called Beatrice <laughs> and we started a podcast from heartache to healing and hope, which I was already using that for my professional Facebook page. And I decided that it might not be interesting to people that I would just run my mouth, as fascinating as this might be, um, because I wanted to see where people were at. So I decided to interview people and how they were doing personally and professionally during the pandemic. Teachers, parents, um, someone whose shop had to close, uh, someone who had a restaurant, somebody, people from Chicago and London, between Beatrice and I, it turns out we know a lot of people that were willing to talk to us. And everyone had a different story, but everybody was struggling. So the first year, it was same storm, different boats, because every one of us was rowing around, maybe by ourselves, maybe with families, coming to school, being remote, being on the bus, being home. I know one family that both parents were working from home and both kids were having school from home. So they set up four stations, basement, sunroom. <laughs> um, I think somebody got the garage and um, to give some kind of semblance of order to it. What she found was that it was pretty good when everyone was at their workstation, 
but the bathrooms and kitchens were a problem. They would go in, make food or take it, and just leave the dishes for the, you know, the maid to come and clean up. So they had to figure that out. So I can only imagine what you guys have been through. You know, I know what my life was like, which was like crazy stuff. My business went <laughs> unbelievable. Um, of course, mental health, right? So it's been really, really interesting to learn from people how this has been for them. And everyone struggled, different struggles, but struggles. And what gave them hope to go forward, especially when we didn't know what was gonna happen. You know, in the beginning it was like, oh, it'll just be a couple of weeks, it'll be the spring. Okay, the summer, the numbers go down in the summer, you know, it'll, it'll be definitely by fall, this'll be definite. And then the fall came and it wasn't so definite, was it? You know, and are you gonna be in school or not in school? And then we started to think about the holidays coming up that first year in 2020. And people were like, I'm taking my kids trick-or-treating. I don't give it to them. <laughs> or I'm gonna have family over for Thanksgiving or, you know, because we wanted life to be, well, what we called normal. It seems to me most of my life is Abby normal, but I understand the concept that we want it to be something we recognize and that we know how to plan for or have control over. And so it's been up and down and all around, which is what the grieving process is. So I was able to see a lot of similarities between what people go through when they're grieving and what they were going through in the pandemic. And if any of you have had anyone that you love that's passed, which is probably all of us because one out of one of us are gonna die. So I'm sure you've had that experience, but different for each person. And the grieving process is something we can't predict. There's things that are common threads through most of it. And then there's things that's unique to you because you're the only one that had that relationship with grandpa or a good friend or whoever it might've been. And that's kind of how the pandemic, I, I, I learned from people that there were certain common threads through it, but also there was things that were just unbelievable, unbelievable. So we got through that first year and then we came time to say, okay, we made it somehow. And let's do the second year. And where are we now? Well, we're still in the pandemic. And so we called it weathering the storm, cultivating kindness, because it became very apparent to me that people were having a hard time finding kindness and showing kindness to themselves or to others. Everybody was just tired of everything that was going on. And it was coming out with ourselves. One person reported to me, she went to a store in Oneonta, Dubai, <coughs> art supplies, I think she said. And she said to the young lady behind the counter, good afternoon, how are you? And what she heard back is, what'd you say? And she was like, hello, how are you? <laughs> she was anticipating what she thought she was gonna hear because that's what she had been hearing. People were just complaining. You know, the coffee was too hot. The coffee wasn't hot enough. We're remote, we're not remote. You know, everyone was just trying to find some semblance of balance. And it was more like underneath, I, I think of it as a, like an earthquake underneath, and it wasn't big, but it was shaken enough that we all were like, what's going on here? How do I find this balance? And how do I tell my students how to stay balanced? Or my kids, or whatever it might be. So I've been asking people, where have they seen kindness be absent from? 
where would they like to see it come back to, and how have they been doing it? And I found that kindness wasn't as easy as hope to talk about with people, or people didn't have as easy a time talking to me about it. So kiddingly, with somebody one time, they were talking about, I don't know, Bernadette, if I, if I can ever be kind again, because I don't know people are not being kind to me. I was like, damn it, we have to be kind. <laughs> I thought, OK, maybe that's not the best message. <laughs> But that's how I was feeling, that this is necessary. And somehow we have to find a way to do this, you know? Um, so we're still podcasting. Um, and the book, I don't know if any of you got a chance to see this book that came to the school, Random Acts of Kindness, the Kindness Project. Oh, too bad. There was a prize if you had heard of it. Um, so a, a teacher. Jennifer? Jennifer Finkel. Jennifer Finkel. 20 years ago or so, she saw a show by Oprah on random acts of kindness and thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going I'm to do this. And she works in Andes. Okay. And so she um, got a journal and wrote something nice about someone in school and then put it on their, their desk, their mailbox. and with a little goodie or something, a muffin, I think, and then ask them to enjoy the words written about them that were complimentary and to write something about someone else and pass it on. And this is now going on 25 years, right? They're still doing it. And she's had to push it along sometimes. She finds it sometimes sitting on someone's desk under many things. One time, somebody gave it back to her and said, I have nothing to say nice about anybody. She was like, ooky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that too. So, but she's kept it going. And when it came up to the 25th year, the superintendent there said, we should publish this, because she kept all the copies. She's a teacher, so she had them all, all the copies. And Beatrice, um, who is the executive director at uh, Bright Hills in Treadwell. Perhaps you're aware of it. And so Beatrice got the grant and was able to get the book published. And um, I did a, a podcast with Jennifer. And this September, last year, right, um, a copy of the book included from the um, grant went to every school in Otsego, Delaware, and Schoharie, Bo uh, the BOCES program. And they got a journal like that had been. So I'd like to suggest that we kickstart that here. And a journal will be forthcoming. A journal will be forthcoming, is that correct, ladies? OK, thank you. <laughs> Anybody who nods, I'm just looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that we can be reminded that somebody thinks we're doing a good job or we want to share that with someone else. Um, and I think it's really important. Uh, one night we had different teachers on and people that had written in the book and they shared. And some of them had something written about them and they had written to somebody. Uh, so it was, it was, and they were crying. It was, you know, and it could have been 15 years ago. So it's still meaningful, you know, when somebody says, I saw you with that kid the other day. You did a really good job. You turned them around, and they were having a really crappy day. Nice job. 
right. I didn't say it, but it could happen. <laughs> I'm sure it did happen, actually. And so I think it's important that we show kindness to one another. But I came here today to talk about kindness and to give you kindness because I think it's unbelievable what you people in your profession have been through in the last couple of years. I just think it's unreal. So if there are any questions or concerns, did you have your hand up? No, All right, I'll let it go this time. But the next time, you've got to come up with a question. Um, you can ask at any time. There's no special Q&A at the end. I'm not that rigid. Um, no, fluid maybe. <laughs> Flexible, but not, but not rigid. So I wanted to know what would represent kindness to you guys? Personally, professionally, a smile. Who said that? Okay. Why well, was a smile mean to you? It can also say, I see you. I see you. We have no time to talk. But I see you. And I'm on my way to my class. <laughs> but I noticed you. And that can mean a lot. Um, and maybe all you have time for. What else would mean kindness to you? Sometimes just if you say hello to someone and they say hello back, or if you say thank you and they acknowledge that you thank them, that's kindness. It is, and it's small, but it's powerful. It, absolutely, absolutely. I like to um, say to people things like, I like your blouse, nice color shirt, the things I believe. <laughs> if you're wearing something I don't like, I, I'll, I'll talk about your eyes or something I find <laughs> interesting. But I want to let people know who I see that I see them. And I'm usually just walking down the street. I think I'm probably known for being a little crazy, so that's okay. But I think it's important because maybe it's the only nice thing they're going to hear that day. And, you know, selfishly, I feel better after I say it. Um, and, you know, it's like when you help somebody and they appreciate it, and then you get that warm feeling that's inside. Right. Where is kindness missing? Anywhere in the world is an appropriate answer. Mm, is it in the supermarkets? No. Why is that? Have to go shopping? What? Get, exactly, have to go, have to go, have to go, right. And now you just call them up and they, or whatever, you go online and they, right. So we're all in a rush to go do things because we're working and we have to pick up the kids and get the shopping done and then think about what to make for dinner. You don't have time to say, hi, how are you? You don't know me and I'm a little crazy, but I just thought <laughs> I'd sit, stop and chat with you. And you'd be like, yeah, okay, gotta go, really gotta go, right. Uh, sorry? We prefer quirky in our class. Quirky. quirky. Oh, thank you. Okay. May I steal that? <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Bernadette. I'm quirky. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. That's good. Right. But you wouldn't, in fact, one day, <laughs> this is funny, I was in the supermarket and I had a mask on with a, a star on it, probably it was sparkly or something. And there was a woman staring at me. So I smiled back, which maybe she saw through my eyes. And she went, I just want to know I'm just smiling because your mask is nice. 
I went, okay. <laughs> no, she says, I don't usually do this, but your mask is nice. I went, okay, okay. So she was uncomfortable <laughs> even doing that. And she wanted me to know she wasn't weird and staring at me. Well, she didn't obviously know who I was, quirky, <laughs> um, and that that was perfectly fine. Right. So sometimes we just have to get out of ourselves a little bit and be kind. When was the last time someone was kind to you guys? It's 2022, in case you need <laughs> a reference point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so nice. You know, that only cost me $5 to that student. <laughs> I, she did it. She told me she would do a good job. <laughs> I said, she, I don't even know if it was male or female. But. Right. And what did that mean to you? Everything. The whole day is better. Right. Right. And kindness is easy, but kindness is also really hard. So when someone is mean or mouthing off or, you know, not being nice, how hard is it to be kind to them? Hard. You know, if someone is mean or you want what in your coffee? <laughs> it's hard to say, yes, thank you for getting my coffee. You little, now I won't say the words aloud. So that kindness is also something that I think that we need, not rising to the bait of when someone's mean or obnoxious or making our lives more difficult. What do you normally do if somebody's mean? Cry. <laughs> well, that'd get them the message, right. You little so-and-so, you made me cry. Right, 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 because it hurt your feelings, I'm imagining, right. Or some other people might yell back. You might, I'm sure there's nobody here that would ever do that, but I bet you know a person or two that might do that, right. Because it just gets something inside of us. Like, what do you mean? So I think that's a kind of kindness that's also needed. And I'm hoping that that can be something you think about. I don't expect that you're gonna go out from here and spread kindness, <laughs> fairy dust everywhere. But just be thinking about what can I do to put it out in the world so that I feel better, so I feel the kindness, the smile from the, that, yeah, that made you feel good inside. Because I think that's where it starts, you know? I don't think walking around saying, you're gonna be kind to me, I really need it. <laughs> you do, I need it too. All right, I'm getting down to you too. Somebody, what the hell, be kind, right. I think it starts more with what we can put out even though life is difficult, even though we don't know what's going to be. I can't even imagine having a schedule that was just, I was getting, my head was dizzy listening to all those dates and times and things that you have to keep straight. That's like amazing to me. I did a, uh, a webinar called Guiding Emotions Through Movement, and I did it with a, um, a yoga therapist. And what we did is we both sat in chairs, and sometimes she was on the floor. And first I did an introduction of what we were doing. Uh, she did some yoga movements in a chair, movements. Then I did a meditation, then she did some sound therapy. And we wanted to show people how movements could move the emotions through the body. When you don't know in the body where it is, you don't even know what it is. You know when you feel a little 
askew. Something's just not quite right, but you don't know what it is. And that's what we were helping people with. And I referenced, it was a four-part series, referenced uh, four different parts of the pandemic to give people some um, substance and context for it. And um, Kelsey is um, younger and much fitter than I am. And so when she would say, and now we're going to do something like this or whatever she was doing, and I'd be like, I said to the camera, no, I'm not. And I could, did it as best I could. And that was really like the whole point, to show different people doing it different ways to the very best of their ability, you know? And that sometimes, you know, like if you go for a walk and you can't think of an answer to something and you're walking and it comes to you in spite of yourself, <laughs> maybe you stop thinking about it. And so that's what this is. It's guiding the emotion out through movement when you don't know where it is or what it is, just that it's sitting somewhere. So generally speaking, when we have tough emotions, frustration, anger, whatever it is, we each have a part of our body that's um, a little bit more vulnerable than others. So sometimes when I get stressed, okay, every time, hi, how are you? Nope, not stressed, I'm just feeling just great. <laughs> and my shoulders are up in my ears somewhere. So of course the stress is in the neck and the head. Anybody ever carry their stress like that? Some people carry it in their belly. Yeah, gets upset and it's hard to keep food down or right. Some it's the back, some it's the legs. You know, it's hard for our legs to hold us up. Like it almost feels like it gives out from under us. And we might find later in life, those are actually areas in our body that develop problems but they're holding the emotion for us and they're holding the pain for us. So it's a good idea to think about where you hold it and help it, you know? So if I was, well, here's what I do when I'm pumping gas. So if you see me like in BJ's and Oneonta, this is what I'm doing. So maybe if I'm feeling, you know, while I'm pumping the gas, I'm, oh yeah, thank you, Nick. Thank you. And I'm usually got my eyes closed because otherwise I'd get dizzy. And almost always when I open my eyes, there's somebody in another pump like, who the hell is that? Well, I'll just stay away from her because she's nuts, which is fine, makes me safe. But I'm thanking my neck for holding up this bowling ball of a head. You know, and that feels like it's so heavy, you got so much going on. So I just want to give it a little love, you know? And there's nothing else to do but stand there and hold the gas going in anyway. So just think about ways that you could identify in your body where you hold it. Give it some love, you know? Maybe it's your legs. I mean, they've been holding you up for a lot of years. Mine have been holding me up for probably more years than anybody else in this room. Yes, your good legs. <laughs> and so I think that's a good idea to show kindness to yourself. You might want to do it privately. You might not want to do it so much out in the open like I do it, but um, that could be another way to show kindness to yourself and move those emotions through your body. Other things that we've been doing are um, fireside chats once a month. Well, one was a beachside chat because I was on vacation. Um, but picking a subject that a lot of people told me they wanted to hear about, self-care or self-love, 
and how people can begin to address that in a meaningful way. In some, you know, self-care, everyone talks about that. But how do you do it that fits into your schedule that actually is helpful, you know? You can't go to the spa every day, you know? So how is it that you can do that? Well, you can show kindness to yourself. Here's something else that you can do. Do you ever have a, uh, a time when uh, you might be thinking about something a lot, like obsessing, and thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and think, oh dear God, I wish I could turn my brain off. Well, there's actually a way to put like a pause button. So I think about it as you're going down and you're circling down this black hole, because you're just thinking about the same things over and over again. So know that inside of that black hole are ledges. Anywhere you think of this that you are, there's a ledge. And it's not cold, and it's not skimpy. There's plenty of room to sit yourself down and get comfortable there, virtually. <laughs> and then I want you to take three deep, slow breaths. And then I want you to say a mantra, a poem, sing a song like that. So what it would look like is, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to pump the potatoes. I have to do this. I have to do that. Oh, dear God. This head is going to. All right. What did Bernadette say to do? All right, I'm in a black hole. Great, that feels great. All right, I'm sitting in a thing. All right. And you're taking it into the count of four, holding it for four, letting it out to five, so you get more of that. I don't know. I don't think I feel any better. I don't know what she's talking Now what does she want me to do? Recite a poem, a mantra, a song? What the hell song am I going to sing? Happy birthday to me. Because that's when you all know. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. That Brenda doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Well, for three minutes, you didn't obsess. You can't obsess and have deep breathing. You can't obsess and meditate. You can't obsess and sing. That's why prayer. Any of those things work. So it is the pause button for your brain. You have it available to you. Everyone gets a pause button today, free, even if you didn't ask a question. And you can do that anywhere. If you're driving, don't close your eyes when you do it. <laughs> That's my, I do it in, oh, sorry. I do it in meetings all the time. To be able to think, when are they gonna stop talking? How long till I get out of here? And then I do that to reset my brain. You know, and you can do it, and unless you go, and happy birthday to me, unless you don't do, if you don't do that, nobody knows what the hell you're doing. But it's a, a skill that you can use anywhere when you need to, so the, the strategy is, is you wanna stop the interaction, which is the obsessing, and go in a different direction. So you already do this physically. Like if you were home and your mind's going around and around, you might say, oh, this is ridiculous, I'm gonna get up and put a load of laundry in, I'm gonna mow the lawn, I'm gonna make lunch. So you're already doing it physically. That's easy to do, or easier. This is how to do it mentally, so that your mental health is, gets a break, and you're, you're showing kindness to yourself. Right. Does that sound doable to anybody? Somebody nod, please. Okay, good. oh, I feel so much better, thanks. <laughs> right, so these are small things that we can do that we can, and we can teach them. Um, if when my son was younger and we were having a discussion, a fight, and in the middle of it, I would remember this 
and I'd be like, and he'd be like, now she's breathing. And a little while later, when we were still going at it, I would say a prayer out loud, oh, now she's praying. <laughs> but it always made me chuckle a little bit, which made him madder, um, but it stopped the interaction, and we were able to say, okay, 15 minutes. Nobody comes out until they can act like a person, which in my speak means to be respectful, to be kind to one another. Let's just take a break here. I used to take myself into the, the bathroom because the rule of my house is you don't bang on the bathroom door unless your foot's fallen off. Like, don't be following me in there. And put uh, cold water on my pulse points and then look myself in the mirror and say, Bernadette, someone's got to be the adult here. Apparently it's going to be you. <laughs> and so then it would calm me down because you feel pretty stupid that you're yelling at a child. Um, excuse me, having a discussion. <laughs> and, and then you come out and you can act like a person. Of course, that 15 minutes helps too, you know, to give you that time to do that. So sometimes that's what we need. That kind of kindness is that <sighs> giving that to ourselves. Does anyone have questions, concerns? They hate the ideas? You can say whatever you want. I don't take offense much. I'd just like to mention that for me as a mom and as a full-time uh, professional, the concept of adult timeout was huge. And it was huge for my son, too. When I said, honey, I, mommy's going to take a timeout, he went, huh? And I said, oh, yeah. Gotta go. He goes, mommy's take timeouts, too? I said, yeah. Bernadette taught me that. I don't know if you guys know about it, but. Yeah, I did that one time. I, I don't know how old my kid was, but. I heard myself saying, I'm in timeout. <laughs> I launched out of the room into the bathroom. And there was nobody more surprised than me. Because I, I remember thinking, is he too old for timeouts? Like, how do I, how do I stop this? So I put myself in timeout, <laughs> which has since led to me to go to the bathroom to put the water on the pulse points. And it, you know, it's, it's developed like that. Right. It, it's a way for us to say, let me take some deep breaths. So the, the deep breathing, which is uh, simple enough to do, um, neurologically resets your brain. It's actually a real thing. And so that's why it works. You'll find if you actually do it, the deep breathing, not, <laughs> not that, <laughs> that you'll find that you're able to be like, okay, all right, I don't feel like I wanna obsess right now anymore. You can go keep doing it. It's your choice. Or you could say, I'll, I'll do it later. You then are in control. This is especially helpful at bedtime. Anyone ever have the experience where you're tired, you finally got everything done you can, and you lay down to go to sleep, and your mind says, woo, time to get busy. <laughs> and it goes over the same damn things you thought of last night. You know, that kid I kicked in third grade, that thing I didn't buy at the store, what do I do for the, you know, and we go over and over and over it. And we think that we have no control over our mind because it just starts up. What the, and we think that because no one told us different. So what it actually is, is we do control our minds and we, we can do it. So for instance, if driving over here, I was on I-88, and I, I remembered, I, oh, God, I'm so hungry. 
oh yeah, I have those power bars in the trunk. So I'd stop on I-88, get them out, and sit on I-88 and eat them. Of course, I wouldn't do that. And then after I ate it, I found I had to go to the bathroom. So I went back to the trunk, got the Maxwell House can to take care of business. Now, I wouldn't do that, but I might say, when I get to the school, the first thing I'm going to do is visit the ladies. First, I'm going to get the power bar out, and then I'm going to visit the ladies' room before I get started. So we know how to postpone physically what our needs are. You know, that we figured out. But when I got in the car to get here, knowing where I was going, I might have unconsciously said to myself, you've got 27 minutes. You know where you're going. Think about whatever you want. Have at it. And that's what often happens when we drive somewhere and we get there and we go, how would I get here? Like you don't even remember it because you let your mind, as I call it, run amok. But when you stop the car, turn the key off, I guess most of them still have keys you turn off, um, and you went to go get the power bar and everything, now you're saying to it, I have something else to think about. Let me go get the power bar, let me go find the ladies' room. And so now you've said to your mind, okay, you're back on, focus. And you might have kept the focus till I came in here and talked to you. And it might, I might get back in the car to go home and go, okay, go for it. Right. So that's us letting us, our minds go wherever it wants to within reason. Because I know it's only 27 minutes till I get home or get to the supermarket. The thing at night is we don't have an end time. We do it until we fall asleep. That is really difficult because there's no end. So what I'll have you think about is that, you know, when the kids are younger, we have a bedtime routine for them. They eat dinner, they play, you give them a bath, they get them in your pajamas, and you read them a book and a book and a book and a book. And you think, if I read Goodnight Moon one more time, I'm pulling my hair out of my head. And... You want them to be physically and emotionally ready to go to sleep because you're exhausted. <laughs> you want them to go to sleep. And somewhere along the line, we throw away our bedtime routine. Anybody have a bedtime routine here? You do? Do you feel like you could share it? Um, so I have a journal that I write in every night. Um, I put the heating pad in the microwave while I'm getting myself ready. Got certain face creams and all these crazy things, and then I'm ready for bed. <laughs> you earned your ten dollars. Excellent, thanks. <laughs> right, but that's so. What happens is we normally stay on our phone, watch television, on the computer, whatever we're doing, and then wonder why we can't fall asleep. And you all know that the blue light keeps the mind going. So what I'm going to ask you to think about is having a routine: an hour, eh, half hour before you want to go to sleep. All of the screen things go off. And think about how you would want to spend that half hour. Do you want to go take a shower? Do you want to read a book? Anything real, uh, not online, is fine to read. I mean, I'm not going to suggest Stephen King, but you know, like that, calming. Maybe sleepy time tea, you put the creamies on, you, the face, whatever it is. But you're preparing yourself for sleep. Now, let's say you get to bed and the mind is still hoo hoo going. You could take a journal, black and white notebook, anything will do, as long as it's not digital. You date it and write down what's in your brain. It could be bullet points. It's not a capstone project. Just, you know, write down whatever's there. It's downloading it, old school. 
So you want to empty this out and put it on paper. And then when you're done, close it up and just say, okay, this is where you stay tonight. I'm going to go to sleep now. I'm going to try to go to sleep now. But you're staying here. So about, I don't know, maybe a year ago, saw an article that said, how the Pope sleeps soundly at night. That sounds like something I should read. Interesting. So it seems that he writes a letter to um, St. Joseph, who he believes to be Jesus's father, and writes down what he's thinking about, what he's worried about, what he has to do tomorrow, and folds it up when he's done and puts it under a statue of St. Joseph. And in my mind, a little minion comes in in the middle of the night to take it out <laughs> so the statue doesn't fall over. But I thought, that's terrific. First of all, it validates what I've been teaching. And if he can sleep soundly at night, the rest of us really can. So I went home. I was all excited to share with my family. Spoiler alert, they were not nearly as excited as I was. <laughs> but I said, you know, what I had learned. And my son said, did you teach the Pope how to do that? Yeah. Francis called and said, yo, kooky Bernadette. <laughs> right. But it says that it's a good way to download the material and put it somewhere, like to be mindful about it. And it also, when I read about the Pope, it opened the concept up to me that you could say, let's say your grandpa has passed. You could say, Grandpa, you be in charge of this tonight. You know, or whoever you want to put in charge of it. You know, the tooth fairy, it doesn't matter. It matters only that it's meaningful to you. And to say, this is not, it's going to be here tomorrow. I mean, it's not going away. Writing it in a black and white notebook doesn't make it go away. If it did, I'd be a rich broad, but that's not what it is. So it's a way to download what's in here and put it down on paper and say, just for tonight, I want you to stay here. And then in the morning, we'll take it up again. All right, takes a, a number of nights to get this going because it's a new habit. Your habit now is get ready for bed, which maybe just, you know, get into the bed, and then the mind goes, and you hope you fall asleep before 3 a.m. So it takes a while to undo a habit and to make a new one. But that's a kindness to yourself. You know, being sleep deprived <laughs> stinks. So just, just consider it. If it doesn't work, I'll take the blame. No problem. Because I'm one of those strange people that my head hits the pillow when I sleep. Although I've since learned I don't do good REM sleep, so I guess I have to think of another strategy. <sighs> Anything else that anyone has any questions or concerns about or things I can help you? Questions you might want to ask? Oh, you want to know about telephone of the wind? Right? Okay. Sorry. It was a tough segue, but I did it anyway. Um, so there's something called telephone of the wind which is a man was in, uh, lived in Japan, and when his um, cousin died, he was very, very upset and bereft and put a phone booth in his garden to go out and talk to his cousin as, as a way of helping him through that grieving process. The phone's not connected to anything, just to be clear. <laughs> We're not talking about speaking to the great beyond. That's next week. So. Um, not too long after that was the uh, tsunami in Japan a number of years ago. And so he opened up use of the uh, booth to his neighbors who had lost everything. You know, whole towns were swept away. 
and people got a lot of solace and comfort from it. It was on YouTube. If you, t if you Google Telephone of the Wind, you'll see it. And he has since, oh, then there was a storm, and it blew over, and it broke, and everyone came and helped him and rebuild it. And he has a, a log there. And to date, over 30,000 people have come to this phone. And it got such a wonderful response that it started to be replicated in different parts of the country. There's one in Oregon and Washington State and such. And it was just on Sunday morning, the show on Sunday mornings. And um, when it was on there a couple of months ago, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And it like jump-started me. And I was like, I'm doing this, and I'm doing it now. And I am doing it in Oneonta. And it'll be in a couple of weeks. I'm working with the town. It's all approved. Amazing. Yeah, I know. Um, BOCES is building me a beautiful, um, rustic phone booth open. There's two phones. Sorry, I'm very visual. Um, this is a wall phone. Somebody might have remembered you had it at your house or grandma's. Um, right? In the kitchen. And on the side of the phone are the different color paints that you paint the kitchen, because you never move the phone. You just, right, paint it around it. And down here is the second phone, which is a push-button princess. That was like, right, special if you had a push-button princess phone in your room. And that's for children, uh, maybe someone in a wheelchair, or if they didn't have dexterity to reach this one, for them to speak to their loved one. Um, because we often want to make calls. You know, and say, oh, I want to call so-and-so about what happened. And I've also expanded the idea now. And it's going to be something called Bridge to Bereavement, uh, which I created. And I'm working with the Alzheimer's Association. And what it would be is, let's say you have grandpa. He's been a big issue here today, hasn't he? Um, and he has a dementia or some sort of neurological situation and you miss fishing with him or I don't know doing something with him you could go and use the phone to call the grandpa that was and so we're gonna expand it like that and uh, the ribbon cutting will be June 14th right um, so I'm looking also to do it in other places this one will be telephone of the wind the Oneonta connection so if you have a town that has a park-like setting, a little bit private, but not too far in, so people have accessibility and parking, let me know. Happy to do a phone with you. Uh, of course, I need phones. So anyone that has a basement, a garage, a barn, got an old phone, obviously that you're not using any longer. <laughs> uh, I'm accepting donations, and we're putting plaques on the phones so that it can be in honor of someone's loved one when they donate the phone. So. That'll be out there. Um, that's going to be on the website? Yeah, uh, from heartache to healing and hope. I have cards if anyone's interested. And I also now have. Which park in Oneonta? Which park in Oneonta are we allowed to say at this point? Oh, yes, OK. It was a big secret for a while. Um, lower Wilbur Park, um, the high school and Middle school are here, and you, but you don't come in that way. You come in and you go past the tennis courts, past the pool, around the Bill Martin Pavilion. I know, I go every week and visit it. Um, so yeah, that'll be happening really soon. So I'm happy to work with anyone, this state, other states. Looks like I'm doing one in Oregon. 
um, and maybe in Greece. Yeah, so it's starting. Um, and you know, the podcast started, as I said, just because I, I wanted to see how people were doing and get a message out. And it was for, well, I didn't really know who it was for, because technically I'm, hmm, what's the word for how I am technically? Ignorant? Slu I, there's not much in my technical bucket. How's that? <laughs> but challenged. challenged, yes, that's me. I'm challenged. And so when we were doing it, one day Beatrice called and said, it's trending in Norway. And I went, really? Wow, that's great. What's trending? I, all I know is it was me and the Vikings. And then it's, we found out it was trending in South Africa. And then we found out it was trending in Thailand and the Philippines. I don't know how this happened. She makes this happen. So when we were looking to do this collaboration with the Alzheimer's Association, we were looking up the stats um, to make sure they were up to date and found out it's now trending in India. And for wellness, health and wellness, we're number 211. <laughs> okay. But here's how I keep my feet on the ground from this worldwide <laughs> When we were in the park with the Parks Department and BOCES and doing all the, making sure we had it just the way we wanted to, and everybody had left, and I was finishing up on my phone, I saw two women walking in the park, and I thought, oh, I'm going to tell them about it. I'm really excited. So I go up to them and hand them cards for my podcast and say, hi, I have this podcast, and I'm all excited, blah, 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 blah. And one woman looks at the other and goes, that's Bernadette. Yeah, that's Bernadette. I'm standing right there. <laughs> that's, she has a podcast. Yeah, she has a podcast. We listened to that, remember? Yeah, yeah, and she had a website. Remember we liked the website? Um, hello. <laughs> so I said, well, go back on the website. Beatrice did a fabulous re reboot on it. It looks even better. So I was tickled pink that they knew about the podcast. But what was really funny to me was, Generally speaking, people know me by my hair. You know, so we wore masks for a long time. People always knew who I was, and I couldn't figure that out. But as soon as I opened my mouth, people know who I am. No one ever knew me for the podcast before. So it was like, it was, so, it was a kindness they gave me. So I'm, I'm trending in many countries now, and two women in Oneonta know who I am, and I'm all excited. <laughs> so that's the kindness. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. If I could be of any help, just send me messages. Thank you.